Hey folks, and welcome to this week's podcast. Today's podcast is one of the rare episodes that started with a publicist emailing me and saying, how would you like to interview uh, somebody at the Louis Armstrong House Museum? And I thought, you know, that's like sort of, it sounds like a great idea, but I definitely need to go there first. So I can, you know, recommend something wholeheartedly. So my daughter and I took a trip out to Queens. We went to the Queens Museum and walked around the World Trade Center, uh, not the World Trade, the World's Fair, gosh, the World's Fair grounds, uh, and which is mostly just a giant park now. And we went to the, the Louis Armstrong House Museum, and we were the only people in the house during the week, uh, just us and a tour guide. And we spent about an hour there. It was fascinating. Asked a lot of questions. Uh, during the, and I mentioned this in the interview with Ricky Riccardi, which you are about to hear, who's the director of research, I think. Uh, he, I, I mentioned that there are these buttons in the rooms that they press, and you hear Louis Armstrong's voice during the tour. And so after the interview with uh, Ricky Riccardi, we will be playing some of those, which uh, they were kind enough to send over. So... Uh, stay tuned after I talk with uh, with him. We'll hear Louis Armstrong's voice recorded with his own reel-to-reel player, which is still sitting there in the house. It's quite fascinating. Uh, so no further delay. Here's Ricky Riccardi and then the voice of Louis Armstrong. All right, there is some music from Louis Armstrong. Enrique Riccardi joins us. He's the director of research collections for the Louis Armstrong House Museum. And I was saying that my uh, daughter and I, she had a day off of school. We drove out to Queens, and uh, we were the only people in the place, and it was super interesting. Uh, Ricky, welcome to the show. Good morning. Uh, thanks for having me. Let's talk about how this thing existed. Uh, Louis Armstrong's wife, I believe, uh, if I paid attention during the tour, uh, <laughs> moved in in uh, 1942, and they lived there till he died in 71, and then she died, I think, nine years later. Is that right? Yeah, 1983, she died. And then nobody really seemed to touch the house for about 20 years, and then it became the museum. Is that right? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, Louis Armstrong died in 71, and Lucille Armstrong was very careful to keep everything there, to make sure his trumpets were safe, his reel-to-reel tapes, his scrapbooks, all that stuff. She died suddenly in 1983, and uh, Queens College actually took over in 1986 uh, to administer the house. And so the first thing they did was they took out all of Lewis's stuff, and they opened up the Lewis Armstrong archives over at Queens College. And uh, that still left the house. No one had lived at the house. Everything there was completely original, untouched, but it still required a $5 million uh, restoration, which took some time. But finally, in 2003, the Louis Armstrong House Museum was open to the public. Uh, It's amazing that they spent $5 million because when you walk in, I mean, one of the most interesting things is that you feel like you are in a time machine. I mean, the house is completely, every single thing in there, you know, except for the exit sign, looks completely authentic. <laughs> the, the shag carpet and the the strange window treatments and his booze bottles are still there and his handwritten uh, logs for his reel-to-reel tapes. It's it is amazing uh, that none of that got ruined. Yeah, now we have people who visit who aren't even really big jazz fans. They just want to see like a, na- a late 1960s home perfectly preserved. 
the most money for the restoration went to removing a third floor <laughs> that Lucille put on uh, after Lewis died. She actually kind of plopped an illegal third floor on the house. And when we were restoring it, we figured that Lewis Armstrong had never seen a third floor. So we just kind of chopped it off the top. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, you see the uh, what was the garage? You, you watch a little film in, or is that the gift shop? I think that's the gift shop. The is gift the gift shop? Yeah, the gift shop's the garage, and the exhibit area where we watch the film is the uh, basement of the Armstrong house. And then you go upstairs, and there's this crazy mirrored bathroom. And for a while, I guess his <laughs> his uh, mother in law was living there, and they lived in this tiny little room uh, off the kitchen. And the kitchen yeah. is maybe the most beautiful uh, room in the house. It's like these blue, uh, glowing kitchen cabinets. Cabinets. And, and everything seemed to be sort of custom made for him. I mean, he was a super rich guy. And this is, I can't stress this is enough. This is the most plain neighborhood you could imagine. Yeah, that's really what he wanted. I mean, he had more money and more fame and could have chose to live anywhere. But he really wanted to be with working class people, with real people. Uh, he always considered himself, he called himself a salary man. So anybody who makes a weekly salary, it could be a barber, it could be a painter, it could be a waitress. Uh, he wanted to be with those people. So Lucille picked out the house uh, without him knowing it. But once he moved in, and once he saw the neighborhood, and he saw all the kids in the neighborhood and got to meet all the families, uh, there was nothing that Lucille could ever do after that to get him to even consider moving somewhere else. One of the things about the tour that's interesting is there are these uh, little doorbells. Uh, they look like little doorbells in some of the rooms, and when the tour guide presses them, you hear audio of uh, Louis Armstrong speaking, and he had all these reel-to-reel tapes, and he clearly was uh, very into making home recordings, so I guess there's tons of audio stuff, and it's very interesting just to hear him talking and to hear what, what life was like in that uh, in that house, and, and you've sent us some of those tapes. We're going to hear those at the end of the show today, and uh, they're, they're super interesting. So uh, people walk through, they look at all this stuff, they ask questions. Uh, it is uh, lewisarmstronghouse.org, and it's 107th Street in Corona, Queens, near the number seven train open Tuesday through Sunday. He refers to it as Long Island. Did Was that part of Queens known as Long Island, or was that just Lewis's thing? No, I think uh, in that period, in the 1940s and 50s, that area of Queens, uh, was kind of considered part of the Long Island, as it was referred to. And uh, by the 1960s, I guess uh, Queens was kind of taking uh, the you know, the responsibility of Corona. And so we have some tapes and some letters where Lewis is still getting kind of confused, but uh, it's, <laughs> it's 100% Queens. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of stuff is in the archive? I mean, just his personal correspondence, his sheet music, what is it? It's the world's largest archives for a single jazz musician. And a lot of it is Louis Armstrong was just so self-aware of his importance as, as down home as he was and uh, humble and real. He also knew that he overcame poverty, overcame racism, and he, he kind of changed the sound of music forever. So he wanted to be in control of his story for future researchers. So uh, he, he compiled scrapbooks beginning in 1925, right up to like days before he died. Uh, we mentioned the reel-to-reel tapes. We have about 750 reel-to-reel tapes. Lewis talking about uh, music, practicing the trumpet, talking about marijuana, telling dirty jokes, fighting with his wife. Uh, <laughs> and I, on one of the tapes, when him and Lucille get into a really deep argument, Lucille tells him to erase the tape. And he says, no, that's for posterity. <laughs> so he's, he's very aware that he's doing this for posterity. 
he saved all of the sheet music. He saved his big band arrangements. He saved about 5,000 photos, five trumpets, 15 mouthpieces. And I'm also happy to report that we received a $2.7 million grant last year. And uh, everything in the archive is currently being digitized. And sometime in 2018, we hope to unveil a new platform on our website that will make it all available to the public for the first time. You'll be able to see these scrapbooks, hear the tapes, uh, see all the photos, and and do everything from the comfort of your own home or phone. Oh, that's great. So until that stuff is digitized and all put online, people can see it at the Queens Museum and uh, eventually across the street where you guys are building your, your new archive, across the street from uh, from where the Louis Armstrong house is. Well, it's it's really cool. It's fun. It doesn't take that long uh, to go through. Like I would say about an hour or so, maybe a little less than that. And uh, it's just sort of a great little teeny, unusual, well-preserved New York treasure. And uh, Ricky Riccardi, thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you so much. Let's hear some uh, Louis Armstrong. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white, the bright blessed day, the dark sacred night, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow So pretty in the sky Are also on the faces Of people going by I see friends shaking hands Saying how we do They're really saying I love you I hear babies cry much more than I never knew, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world, yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful At home in Kroner, Long Island, New York, February 26, 1956. February 6. Correction. February 6, 1926. I'm sitting up here with Lucille. She's 1956. Well, <laughs> pardon me, folks. Lucille, you're messing with my eye, you know. Down. 
savages. <laughs> So wonderful world. There's a zillion people dug that tune the way I did it when I felt it. Because uh, it's so much in wonderful world that brings me back to my neighborhood where I live in Corona, uh, New York. Of course, Long Island, uh, everybody know where that is. And Lucille and I, ever since we married, we've been right there in that block. And everybody keeps their little homes up like we do. And it's just like one big family. I saw three generations come up in that block. Mm. And they're all with their children, the grandchildren. They come back to see Uncle Sachmo and Aunt Lucille. So that's why I can say, I hear babies cry. I watch them grow. They'll learn much more than I'll ever know. And I can look at all them kids' faces. And I got pictures of them when they was five, six, and seven years old. It is a wonderful world. We have a few jokes. Always have that. You can tell from the incidents that happened uh, that shouldn't have. We have to go into that. I mean, you can trace back, and I read between lines and everything like that. But it's still a wonderful world. <laughs> 